Hey y'all, this episode is brought to you by my new book, Find Your Rainbow. Find Your Rainbow is a full-color guide and activity book filled with interactive and positive ways for young readers to work through issues like self-esteem, positive thinking, and even bullying. I worked on this book for two to three years. It is filled with tons of colorful illustrations, my personal stories, and I think it will really help the girls in your life. You could find the book online, but really, I recommend going to your favorite independent bookstore and asking them for Find Your Rainbow. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Rainy Day Diaries, an imperfect podcast that will dive headfirst into how you can thrive in your creative life and business, even if you struggle with mental wellness. I am your host, Jennifer Lynn, and as a longtime struggler of anxiety and depression myself, I hope this podcast will help you realize that you could still get stuff done when you deal with all these crazy things on a daily basis, that you're not alone, and that falling down does not mean you won't get back up again. I thank you so much for listening, and as always, if you have any suggestions or questions or topics you'd love to hear about, please email me at jenniferlynn at gmail.com. Thanks. Enjoy the show. So on this episode of Rainy Day Diaries, I am super excited to interview Brendan Harvey. He's a storyteller and he's focused on all the good in the world. He has something called The Good Newspaper and The Sounds Good Podcast, all about bringing happiness and joy and excitement uh, to an otherwise kind of overwhelming dark place sometimes. (laughs) So I know that was a very brief interview and you do so much more than that, but do you want to talk about what you wanted to be growing up and then how that led to what you're doing now? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, growing up, I, I I do think that I just wanted to be the the standard like firefighter or like uh, pilot or you know just just things that are I, I think everybody kind of thinks are interesting and cool. Um, but as I grew older and as I kind of got to like middle school and high school, I started thinking about. Uh, wanting to tell stories and in middle school I really wanted to uh to be a writer and in high school I deeply wanted to be a photographer uh and slowly kind of I I married a lot of those things together into uh what I do now which is I I'm fortunate enough to get to tell stories of the good in the world and people creating solutions to problems and uh, I do that sometimes through photos, sometimes through writing, never through firefighting. Oh, uh, why not? Well, I, they, they, they have not approved me for that uh, storytelling ability yet. But Next week. It's fine. It's, it's coming up soon. But, <laughs> uh, but I, I love what I get to do. And I love, uh, I love the journey that's taken me here. So that's kind of like a broad thing of what you do. Do you want to kind of explain what that looks like on a day-by-day basis? Yeah. So, uh, kind of more specifically, I started a company called good, good, good and good, good, good celebrates the people, ideas, and movements that are shaping the world for the better. And specifically within that, uh, one of the things that we are super excited about creating, we launched it about two years ago is we make a print newspaper filled with good news called the good newspaper. We launched it on Kickstarter, uh, just hoping and believing that there were other people in the world who shared this desire to notice the good in the world, to celebrate the good in the world, and then ultimately to join in and become the good in the world. And we, I mean, I, I was like, man, it'd be nice if there were like, you know, a few people who 
who were also interested in this thing. And then we were pleasantly surprised when we ended up doubling our Kickstarter goal. Uh, and so we, we started making a newspaper at a time when newspapers were dying. Uh, and it's just been a blast finding this very unique, weird way of uh, celebrating good things happening and people creating solutions to problems. And we also tell stories uh, through a podcast and through social media and through uh, an email newsletter where every week we send out five pieces of good news from around the world. And um, it's, uh, it's been really fun, but all of that lives within good, good, good. And uh, it, we're so excited about it. I'm so excited about it. You can tell if no one, well, hopefully people who listen to my podcast have to listen to your podcast because it's super awesome. And I'm curious how, when you decided to start Good, 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 was it just kind of like a tradition, not traditional, transitional out of photography? Like, was it just you at the beginning? Do you have like a big group of people surrounding you now to help you? You're on a lot of platforms. So I'm really curious how you don't yeah. go insane, like totally. doing everything. <laughs> yeah, great question. Uh, and uh, yeah, I always feel like I'm juggling a lot of plates and every time that I get rid of one, I, I find five more. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> that's a fantastic question. My, so, uh, my background was in the world of humanitarian photography. I get to spend a lot of time. Well, I mean, before that it was wedding photos and other kinds of photos, but slowly it started to be me just working with nonprofits and socially conscious brands, helping them tell stories of the impact that they're making. Uh, so that they can continue making more of an impact. And the more I started traveling around the world with these organizations or uh, in the United States telling these stories of things that were fascinating and blowing my mind, uh, I, I, I began to realize that my friends, even though I was like telling these stories and they were like working for the nonprofit and it was helping the nonprofits raise more money to keep on doing these great things, I would come home and my friends didn't know about these people creating solutions to problems. These stories weren't necessarily spreading. Um, they were just, you know, reaching kind of the same donors and slowly reaching more people. And because of that, there were so many people in my life who just felt cynical or apathetic about the state of the world. And to be honest, I was experiencing that as well with literally anything where I wasn't working directly with the nonprofits hearing these stories. And so it began this slow journey of me saying, what what can I do to help alleviate this? You know, like I'm already telling these stories. How can I help these stories spread more? Because the scariest thing in my opinion is apathy and cynicism. It's like, it's when you've got a lot of people who don't feel like they can get involved or should get involved or they don't know what the next step is. Like what a missed opportunity for all of us to make a difference in the world. And I really believe that to create the change we wish to see in the world, like we all have to play a part, you know, not the same part, but a part and, and apathy and cynicism, just they, they attack that ability to do that. And so that's when it just kind of, it, it kind of good, good, good started slowly being born even before it had a name. So it started off with me just saying, Hey, let's tell these stories on social media. Let's, uh, I'm going to write some long captions and detail uh, what is going on in Rwanda while I'm in Rwanda or Peru while I'm in Peru um, or in uh, like this, you know, farm community in Tennessee, wherever it is. Uh, and then from there, I was like, okay, well, how can we go a little bit 
deeper into some of the data. You know, it's not just anecdotal stories of here's one person who's making a difference. Here's another person who's one organization. What do the trends say? And so that's when we started our email newsletter, the good newsletter, where uh, I was just super excited about being like, oh, it, it turns out that year over year, the number of people with HIV and AIDS continues to decrease. Or, oh, did you know that uh, the amount of people uh, who are living in extreme poverty or the percent of people living in extreme poverty continues to decrease year over year uh, and is halved in the last few decades. Like these are things where I was like, let's figure out ways to tell these stories because these are huge. And then we're like, okay, well, how can we maybe uh, also maybe tell some of these stories in a more like emotionally captivating way, you know, not just data, but, but uh, individual stories. And so that's when we started uh, our podcast sounds good with Brandon Harvey, where every week we have conversations with world changers and people who are rejecting cynicism and using their lives to make an impact. And then from there, we were like, "All right, well, let's let's do something really weird. Let's do something that nobody else is doing. Let's start a newspaper uh, when nobody else is starting newspapers, and we'll just figure it out." And 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 that's what started the good newspaper and uh has been a really fun way of grabbing people's attention to help them notice the good in the world because i think that all too often we go through our days and we we miss out on a lot of the good that's happening we might see it but we don't make we don't take it in as much and uh i was talking with this fancy neuroscientist researcher guy who studies uh, happiness. And he talks about this idea that we're all born with this internal negativity bias uh, that essentially makes it so that bad news sticks to our brains like Velcro and good news slides right off our brains like Teflon. And that served us super well evolutionarily hundreds of thousands of years ago. Uh, but unfortunately, it still stuck with us and we still uh, absorb bad news easier than we absorb good news. And so the great thing about making a newspaper, it, well, I, so I don't know about you, but like I haven't, I don't think ever paid for a newspaper in my life. Like I've read newspapers. I was a paper boy. I was a paper boy when I grew That's up. amazing. But I, like, yeah, I never like paid for a newspaper. And so when I see like, I, I, so I, I guess what we were thinking was, if we make a beautifully designed, really fun newspaper that says good newspaper on the front, because it's weird and because most of us have never seen anything like it or spent a lot of time with newspapers, like maybe it'll grab our attention more and it'll encourage us to pay a little bit more attention to good news and slow us down, you know, like instead of just like seeing good news on your phone and then being able to swipe over to the next thing, that's probably bad news. Uh, you know, if you open up a whole newspaper filled with good news, it's, you know, you got to flip the pages, you got to hold it out. You can't hold your phone while you hold a newspaper. Like there's all of these reasons why. I don't know. There are people in New York who could do both. I'm sure. I, okay. There are some people who are next level (laughs) for amateurs like me. Okay. uh, True. true, true. I'm not there yet. Um, and so that, and so that's kind of where we're at is we're doing all of those things, but it's been this slow and steady evolution of being like, how can we most clearly communicate these stories of people doing good? So when you say we, yes. was it just primarily you and your wife? Was it like you and a friend? Like, because that's like a lot of different yes. 
things. And that's a lot of different projects with a lot of work to be done in each project. So that would overwhelm the crap out of me <laughs> if it was just me. Yes. Yeah, so it, so it started off with just me as a photographer and then it was me thinking, what can I do on my own? Because I didn't have the money, the resources, the time to do anything but that. And so, you know, the newsletter, so I mean, the social media thing, obviously I can keep on doing that on my own. Um, most people run their social media accounts without the help of a team. And so I was like, okay, I'll do that. And then when we started, to, when I wanted to launch the newsletter, the email newsletter, I signed up for a free MailChimp account. Uh, you get like your first 2,000 contacts free. And I, I just posted on Twitter. I was like, I'm going to start a newsletter. Uh, respond with your email address and I'll add you to this, which is like, you're not supposed to do that. Uh, I was like, this newsletter is going to have good news uh, and I'll sign you up. And we got... <laughs> like a few hundred subscribers in like that first day. And I'm, I actually need to like, I want to like go in and check and see who from that first hundred are like still there three, four years later. Um, and so I did that on my own. Uh, and then from there I was approached by a media company who was like, Hey, have you ever thought about a podcast? We'd love to help produce that because I didn't. Oh my have, gosh. That's a blessing. I know. Well, cause I just didn't have the skill set to like edit. And I also, you know, I was still paying my bills with, with photography basically. So I didn't have the money to, to, uh, right. It was more than I didn't have the time to edit things because I was for freaking ever. I will tell you. <laughs> yeah. I'm so impressed by anybody who, who does all the production on their podcast and everything. And, uh, and so I was very grateful for that. And, and honestly, you know, it allowed me to start the podcast a year or two years earlier than I would have otherwise, because I just would have, I'm somebody who like likes to go all in and learn and I would have I would have I would have probably delayed myself a lot. And so very grateful for that privilege of of having those people approach me and help me launch the podcast. And then from there uh when we decided to launch when I decided to launch the newspaper, uh it was a lot of friends rallying around me to really help me out. And the Kickstarter, I mean if we get into the logistics the Kickstarter was, it, it served a few purposes. One, it was just to see, do people care about this idea? Like, should we just like lock this back up in the closet and, and just pretend it never happened because it's only me who wants this? Or are there more people out there who want it? Uh, but I wasn't trying to get rich off it. In fact, I didn't make any money on the Kickstarter. I, I lost money personally on the Kickstarter. But I was like, I'm doing this so that I can raise enough money to pay other humans a nominal amount of money to join me on this endeavor because I, I, I didn't want to go it alone and I couldn't go it alone. You know, I needed somebody who could be a designer and an illustrator. I needed somebody who uh, had, had studied journalism far more than I had. Uh, I needed to figure out how to actually take a newspaper to a printing press, like all these things. Uh, and so that was the biggest reason that I started that I did the Kickstarter was, I want to be able to financially pay humans to use their talents for this thing and to get to work with the team. And so that's one of my favorite things is getting to have a, a, a team to work on this thing with. Uh, and I, I spent years as like a, a solopreneur being the only one who is doing things. Um, and it's, I mean, it's so energizing and crazy and fun. Uh, but 
I, I hit a point where I was like, I'm ready to like be able to like hop on the phone with a member of my team and ask their opinion and then like trust their opinion more than my own. Um, and it was, it was so nice to be able to like have other experts brought into the process where I didn't have to just, uh, rely the best. <laughs> my own thought was. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. So I'm curious cause you're doing all these things revolved around a similar goal, which yes. is kind of what I do too. Like books, podcasts, yes. they're all revolved around like bringing goodness and encouragement to the world. Do you ever feel lost in like the, the, the separation of like you and like good, good, good. Like it has to be hard to like post yeah. different stuff on like all the social medias, like of Brendan and of your company. Yes. Yeah. I, that's such a good question. And that was one of the reasons why I started good, good, good was to create that separation because for the longest so I kind of forgot about this, but our email newsletter, before it was called the good newsletter, it was called the Brandon Harvey email party. And <laughs> I'll be curious how many early subscribers remember that because it's, I mean, it's such a fun name, uh, in my opinion, because it's, it's a party and it's my name and it rhymes. Um, but, you know, it was always connected to me. And the right. podcast is called Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey always connected to me. And so when I launched the newspaper, I was like, I need this to be about more than just me. Like I'm not the central part of this. The central part of this is celebrating good news and becoming good news. And so that's when I launched good, good, good to house all of these things separately. Uh, and so it's nice for me to have that intentional separation. Uh, and I'll go, you know, sometimes I'll go a few months without posting about good, good, good on one of my channel, like one of my personal, like Instagrams or Twitter or something. Uh, and it's, it's a little bit weird, but it, it, for me is a practice in realizing this isn't who I am. This is something that I'm creating and putting out into the world, but it doesn't define me. That's uh, really good. It helps me maintain that in a healthy way. And, but that's also the other like helpful thing about having a team is, uh, I can say, Hey, I need somebody to run the social media for good, good, good to create that separation for me in this time or whatever that is. And it's, but it, it is something where I'm constantly trying to battle, like, where do I connect to this? And like, what are the parts of me that are truly me? And what are the parts of me that are, um, that are something I'm creating, if that makes sense. So I haven't figured it all out yet, but it's definitely a, a thing that I'm constantly aware of and wrestling with. That's awesome. I mean, it's not awesome you're wrestling it, but it's yeah. awesome. That was my, like, that was the very first question on my very long paper that Good. I had for you. Um, so how big is your team now? There are, I think, five of us, including me. Uh, we've got Megan in Florida, who's running our social uh, and all of our communication. If you've ever, like, responded to Good, Good, Good on the internet, uh, you probably got a nice kind of email from her. Um, Kaylee is in Los Angeles and she writes uh, and edits the paper and uh, makes all things editorial happen. And uh, Kara is our wonderful and talented illustrator and designer uh, who makes all the beautiful art come to life. And then Chad and Jesse make our podcast happen and uh, do all kinds of stuff that I, I don't understand, uh, but I appreciate. And we've had other members of the team who have come and gone through 
the last several years who have been a huge part of uh, making what we've made and they've gone on to do really amazing stuff. And so it's, I, it's such a fun experience getting to, getting to work with other talented humans. That is awesome. So backing up just a little bit, yeah. I've actually never been on Snapchat because they had those like face filters and they yeah. creep me out. So I purposely never, That's but amazing. I know you were a quote unquote Snapchat famous person or <laughs> voted yeah. most famous person. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a weird time in, in the early days of Snapchat. And I guess I'll back up and say, I've always been drawn to trying to tell stories in new and interesting ways. That's always, why I like, was so even when you were younger or like once social media became readily, readily available? Well, that's a good question. I think for me it was, uh, I started off just having a clear path in mind to be a photographer. When I was in high school, when I was deciding what my career might be and when everybody's doing that, and some of my friends are like, I'm going to go uh, and eventually I'm going to be a lawyer or I'm going to be a doctor or whatever. And I'm like, I'm going to be a photographer. And it was such a clear decision. And the further I went down that path where I was, I was literally a full-time photographer. Uh, the closer I came to this goal I had in mind of what my life would look like, the less content I felt. And I was so surprised by that because I was like, no, this is my identity. This is who I am. And as I started to maybe unpack this, I started to realize that maybe photography wasn't the thing that I was passionate about. What I was passionate about was telling stories and photography was the tool in which I was doing that. And I, I started to kind of experiment with some things to see if that was true. It was, it was I would, took a very scientific method to it with like a hypothesis and then I was like, well, let's test this. And so I started getting into uh, filmmaking and I, uh, I, I started trying to just shoot some video. It was a very amateur thing and I was so bad at it. I was really bad, but that spark came back to life where I was like, this is so interesting. And so then I brought in that, that passion for writing that I had growing up and I was like, let's do more of this. And that spark came to life and I was like, oh, what else is there? And so that was around the time. So uh, filmmaking failed for me. I was like, oh, I'm bad at this. I don't, for some reason, I just, I couldn't get my head wrapped around. I think a lot of the technical stuff, there's so much that goes into it, but I loved, I loved the storytelling and the the cuts and the, I loved like kind of almost the edits of filmmaking. And so Snapchat was up and coming and they just transitioned from being a, a bit of like a platform where it was notorious for uh, sending inappropriate photos to people to being something where maybe there was some more room to tell stories instead of just being one-on-one -on -one messaging. It was uh, sharing messages uh, publicly and what we all know as Instagram stories today. Uh, and so I was like, I wonder if this could be used as a storytelling tool. And I didn't see a lot of other people doing that, but I was like, let's, let's give this a try. So I committed to every single day for uh, at least, I think my goal was a hundred days and then it ended up being more than a year. I wanted to every single day tell a new story. And the wild thing is like on Snapchat, everything would disappear after 24 hours and there were no highlights. There was no way to like save these things to like share. It was, 
you know, you, you tell a story and then they would get deleted and then they're gone forever. And, uh, but that's what I did. I started just being like, all right, well today I'm going down the street to get a burrito. What's the most interesting way I can go and do this? And I would be like, well, I'm going to like go to like parkour to pick up my burrito. Or, uh, there was like this crazy, like race through town with all these Santas. I was like, I'm going to like chase all these Santas on this like marathon where they're dressed like Santa. And I'm going to like make this a compelling, interesting story. Uh, and I, I, I just kept on doing that and started to find that it was such a cool platform for communicating stories. And it started to get me some attention because I was doing something different than what most people were doing. Um, and I I don't know. It's just such a creative process. And because I was kind of early in on that, I started getting asked by a lot of nonprofits and brands like, Hey, can you help us tell stories? Uh, And so that's where that kind of came from. And it was so funny because I would have never guessed that that's the path that I would have gone down in the same way that I never would have guessed that I would be running a newspaper or especially that I would be doing both of those things within five years of each other. Uh, but I, I'm grateful I said yes, because I learned so much about storytelling and myself. And uh, it brought so many new opportunities uh, that I, I, I wasn't chasing and never would have chased. Um, but it's, it's funny, I haven't logged on to Snapchat in uh, probably more than a year now too. So it's, it's, it's also fun to have parts of my story that I learned from and equipped me for where I am today but they don't always have to stay a part of me. It's okay to let things that were a big part of your life go and, and take steps towards something new. And that's I, earlier when we talked about the idea of like a door closing, like th- that door closed, but I, you know, unfortunately I've opened like five more new doors, but um, I, at, at least it's, you know, everything is moving in the direction of, of my passions and interests and curiosities and, and, and this central mission of celebrating the good in the world and becoming the good in the world. So it's interesting because I feel like when doors close, most of the time there's like a grieving period, but it sounds like you had more like a party period. Like, was there like a grieving period of like, cause I want to give you gold stars. Like I literally wrote down gold stars for you <laughs> because it's hard. You seem very introspective and it's hard to be like, okay, this isn't bringing me passion anymore. So I had to figure out what is bringing me passion. So let's figure out like how that works. Whereas a lot of people are like, this is what I chose to do. This is what I wanted to do. Stick with it. And they like make themselves kind of suffer. Like yeah. they pivot instead. Yeah. And I think I would say there's a great deal of privilege that I have in being able to make that pivot. Um, it's interesting because I, you know, I, I probably, the most money I probably ever made in like a year was back in those early Snapchat days when every brand was like, help us do this. We don't know what we're doing. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you that the newspaper industry is not lucrative. Like I'm not making any money. Well, that's uh, what books are too. Everyone wants yeah. to be, and I do too. I mean, I have books published and I want more published, but you make no money. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it it's has to be for the love. The mission like, and the love. Yeah. And so, but it's, when I transitioned away from Snapchat, I wasn't in a place where I was able to fully, like, follow my passions without any, like, I, I guess I, I wasn't going to go, I wasn't going to become homeless. I was still going to be able to afford groceries when I made that transition. And I think, uh, I think it'd be irresponsible to, like, just take a leap because it's like, I don't like this anymore. Like, what, it, like, a 
I, I just can't imagine being in a place to be able to do that. And so it, it was a slow process of being like, well, let's build this new thing while I continue doing this old thing. And then at one point, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, wait, I haven't uh, worked with a brand on Snapchat in a year. Like I, I haven't helped them. I haven't logged in in two, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's in, in kind of hindsight, but I didn't necessarily know that it would be that I was like exactly leaving it. I just knew that I was putting more attention into something else. And I think that's how most of us can be is uh, taking things one step at a time and uh, just building something on the side that we want to grow uh, and hoping that that could one day be more of our focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, when we kind of get into the financial stuff, which, you know, I think that sometimes it's helpful to just talk about the logistics behind things. You know, I don't take any income from Good 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 yet. Like Good 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 is still a side hustle and it makes the money to pay to make a newspaper and a podcast and to pay our team. Um, but I'm still, you know, doing a lot of uh, photography work and storytelling work and uh, things like that individually to pay my own rent uh, and to support my family. Uh, and so it's, and, and one day I hope that maybe that could be like more of a, a full-time thing. Uh, although I, I can't imagine ever just doing one thing personally. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's not that I'm in this finished place yet either. You know, it, it's still a journey for me. I still have goals um, and it's still a slow movement in the direction of, of what I'm hoping for. I feel like we should always be on a journey though. Like if you've already accomplished everything you accomplished then why are you here? Like, and if you're readily aware of what's around you, there will be always more something exciting. Hopefully. I mean, if you're blessed, something exciting around you that you would like to enjoy or do. Yeah. And it's, and that's why, you know, because I always want to be content in where I am and I'm so grateful for where I am. And if I had to stay here, I would still be so content, but I always lean into curiosity. So it's not that I'm like, that there's more that I want. It's that, it's that there's more that I'm interested in and curious about and always wanting to learn a little bit more. And sometimes when you learn a little bit more, you're like, oh, well, maybe this is a new way to do this thing or apply this thing or whatever it is. And, and, and so I, I never want to lose that sense of curiosity. No, they, that's awesome. And I like that you're like, creative but you're also very logical like and data and like introspectiveness and like you're like two brains I well I will I will say that I feel like I'm more I'm like probably like 80% logic and then I I work the creative really hard so the logic comes (laughs) naturally to me and the creative I learn from so many people like my wife and uh, mentors and friends who like teach me about like how to be disciplined in that and how to like really work that. Um, that makes so, me feel a little better. <laughs> yeah. um, so you mentioned your wife and you met her on Instagram. Is that how you met? No, we met on Twitter. Oh, on Twitter. Okay. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about that. Cause I'm really curious cause she's adorable and you have, you both have a pet child named pop tart. Yep. who I love. Um, and so let's go into that a little bit. <laughs> yes. Uh, pop tart is our dog child and she's a little multi <laughs> shih tzu and we love her. Um, Sammy and I met uh, randomly on Twitter. Um, oh my gosh, maybe a, no, Man, it might be a decade ago, honestly. Really? So here's, so here's the wild thing. 
somebody we had a mutual friend who that you knew in real life or that from the internet in real life and uh so when i was in high school because i was in this small little town but i was ambitious and wanted to be a photographer i found a community of like five or six other talented amazing photographers who were also like 16 17 in high school from across the country and we were we all kind of became friends on social media and one of them was this guy that happened to know sammy and i was just following him on twitter and one day he retweeted her and i was like that was a good tweet and also that girl's cute i'm just gonna follow her and i like faved the tweet i followed her but i didn't think anything of it you know like i wasn't like oh i'm gonna like marry that girl it was just it was just oh here's a here's an interesting human to follow um i'm gonna do that and so i followed her um and years went by without us like talking turns out she had like followed me back in that time and maybe we had like at replied to each other here and there but like at some point i unfollowed her too like i wasn't really? <laughs> yeah like i just like I got bored or something because uh, I, or I'm, I'm just, yeah, you just like almost spit out your coffee. Um, the, <laughs> and I acknowledged fully that like I was a tool for that, but she kept on following me and years went by. Uh, and, and at some point I post something and she comments or messages me. And uh, that same thing happens where I go, Oh, what a nice response. Uh, what a, what a cute human. I'm, I'm going to like follow back <laughs> and we start. It was the same person. I did. I was like, it was familiar, but I didn't know. Like <laughs> I did a lot of this like detective work later. Um, but so I, we start talking though, and she's, uh, about to move to Europe. She lives in Tennessee. I live in, uh, Oregon. Um, I think I was actually in Idaho at the time. Uh, and she was about to, I don't know. I was all over. <laughs> I lived a very, a very weird life before I met Sammy. Uh, and she, but she was about to move to Europe to study abroad. And I was like, I've seen the Lizzie McGuire movie. Like, I know that like, she's going to go to Italy and Paolo's going to sweep her off her feet and she's going to become like an international superstar and she's going to leave me behind. And I was like, I'm, I'm not going to risk that. Like, I'm going to start like talking with this girl. So like a week before she flies to Europe, I, because we had like been messaging back and forth and I was very interested at this point. I was like, hey, was you she want, interested like, in you? She was interested enough in me to like talk with me a decent amount. Like we okay. were sending each other like messages and letters like every day. Uh, and so I, I was like, Hey, let's, let's talk if you want. And she's like, okay. And so we start talking on Skype um, and uh, that moves to like sending letters back and forth, like while she's in Europe and Skyping like every, like every few days, like while she's in Rome and uh, Paris and like all of these cool, amazing places. And to, to some degree, I think we like fell in love over Skype while she was like traveling Europe. And so when she's getting ready to come back to the States. Cause I'm still like a poor college student, just trying to shoot photos for nonprofits for a living. So I wasn't about to like fly out to Europe. Uh, but I was like, Hey, when you get back, I'd love to buy a plane ticket to come out and see you. And so I, I did that. She said, okay. Uh, and I did that and I came out and then we just kept on buying plane tickets. And, uh, so we dated long distance for three and a half years, um, between Portland and Nashville. And, uh, 
we got engaged and we lived in the same city and then we got married and uh now we've been married for three and a wow three and a half years now yay so it's a safe space you could tell me did she ever meet paulo she i'm trying i'm trying to think if she met any boys <laughs> who I, wasn't actually attractive he was so not attractive <laughs> i mean i think he's cl he's a classically handsome italian pop star but he's not actually italian <laughs> yeah well I don't, yeah it's he's, he's a, and he's also not a, a real singer <gasps> apparently the other lizzie mcguire is <laughs> exactly exactly um but anyway um I, I i think i swooped in in time to keep her from crushing on any italian boys uh and it, it seems to have worked out because now we have our wonderful puppy um but uh yeah, we're having a good time. We we love being married. It's so fun. It's such a blessing when you marry your best friend. Yeah. I have like very different but similar. Like I met my husband when I we were I was nineteen, he was twenty. We danced around each other for like seven years. Amazing. I fell in love with him three years before we actually dated. And then Great. and then I left I sold my house, my car, and I'm like, I guess I'll move up to New York and see if like we work. And we did. Thank goodness. Wow, that's amazing. I love I love like when you have to take that leap in a relationship. That's why I think that, I mean, and I don't recommend this for everybody, but that's why I really loved long distance because it required a, a leap every single month, you know, where it's like, oh, we're not going to see each other for a month. Like, is it worth it? Is it worth the money? Is it worth the time and energy? And it's, and so we kept on having to make that very intentional choice to continue this thing instead of, you know, just having something casual um, but and then see, moving out to the same city and everything too. We would not have made it if we did long distance. We were yeah. horrible long distance. And I'm like, yeah, the only, everybody's I'm like, different. I know I'm like the only way I'll see if like me and this guy who I've liked for like seven years and I are going to work out as if I moved to him. So I guess we'll see what happens. I, and I'm one of the people that if you talk to like so many people, their dream is to like go to New York and live there. And I'm like, that was not my dream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I did it, but I'm like, I love New York. It seems very overwhelming to live in. Like, <laughs> and it was, yeah. it was, it was an amazing experience anyway. So and it worked That's out. Amazing. <laughs> and we have a love child too, but he's a human boy. <laughs> yes I, uh, I I never thought that I wanted a dog I assumed that that human children would be would come far before a furry animal uh, but I have like fallen in love with this animal like it's it's so I I'm like so embarrassed like all my close friends who like heard me for years being like I never want a dog now they see me like holding my dog and like cuddling like i'm just like oh my gosh who have i become it's amazing it's so i good. remember reading that on maybe instagram or something and i'm like how can you not be a dog lover and, but like half of your pictures are a pop tart and they're so cute i love oh your dog yeah. i just love dogs so you have a lot of memorable experiences in the last like five to ten years i don't know how old you are how old are you i'm 26 okay so 10 years yeah. Like the real journey started for the last decade. Yeah. What do you think are the most memorable things that you've accomplished or not necessarily even accomplished, just kind of like done? Um, and if you can't think of any, I require at least top three. 
Great. <laughs> I mean, huh. so for me, some of the biggest things had been learning to dive. So, I mean, the first things that come to mind aren't necessarily the experiences. Like I've had a few amazing experiences. Like I photographed Pope Francis. Uh, I got invited out by the Vatican to do that as like a guy who's like not Catholic. How did uh, that I've, happen? Okay. Sorry. We'll do that in a minute. Keep going. They, and then uh, like I've been chased by elephants in Zimbabwe. Like literally like I had to sprint to flee an elephant, um, two elephants. I've, you know, like I've had like experiences like that that are amazing and life changing and crazy. But for me, like the things that I, the experiences I'm most grateful for have been um, learning to be more okay with sitting in pain or uh, learning how to find a sense of, of nuance between black and white and between. Uh, polarizing ideas especially when it comes to the world of um politics and world events um and also how to grow in my relationships and friendships like those are the things where i'm like i look back and i go oh all of these like big events have been opportunities for me to have these internal growth experiences um and so i don't know if that's the answer you're looking for but like as you said that i was like Oh, like it's this grand epiphany where I'm like, oh, it really has been a lot of um, inner work through all of these crazy external experiences. So you mentioned sitting in pain, which is like when you really think about is like a heavy, hard thing to do. I think in our society, it's easy or in a lot of people's families, even it's easy to be like, okay, you've cried enough. Keep going. Yep. So I'm curious. Like That's my what, default all the time. Like that's it. If I'm on autopilot and I'm not being intentional, I'll easily move on to the next thing. Really? And so that's an interesting so, characteristic. I'm the opposite. I'll just become a yeah. flooded puddle. Yeah, it's it's that's the thing is I've learned so much from my friends who become flooded puddles because the beautiful thing is so there's this idea from Brene Brown that says that you cannot selectively numb emotion. And I found that traveling around the world, seeing all kinds of injustice, seeing all kinds of pain in my own life and in the lives of my family, I was getting to a point where I was just kind of trying to ignore the bad. I would see it, I would be aware of it, but I'd be like, oh, I'm just gonna move on uh, and, and kind of not acknowledge it. But at the same time, I was still having all these amazing, beautiful, positive, joyful experiences. I was falling in love during this time, all these things. And I was realizing that by hiding from all of these painful experiences, I, I was numbing the pain, which felt so good, but I was also numbing the opposite end of the spectrum. I was numbing the joy. I was numbing the hope. And I want to live a life with full, abundant emotion. And so I started doing the work of sitting in that pain a little bit longer and acknowledging it and not just retreating or using, you know, leaning into some sort of coping mechanism. Um, and it's, it's so hard. And I, I have so many friends who have been on this journey with me and for them it's, it's hard as well, but it's very gratifying work and it allows me to feel like more of a full 
human. And it also makes me feel like it's fair for me to do this hopeful, optimistic work with good, good, good. I think it would be unfair, maybe even unethical or wrong for me to not fully feel the pain of the world, to not fully feel the injustice of the world and to just bury my, my head in the sand of privilege uh, and pretend that it's not happening uh, or to just, you know, only focus on the positive without ever feeling that pain. And so now when I'm celebrating the good in the world, I always want that to come from a place of acknowledging and, and truly the best that I can experiencing and empathizing with the pain of that injustice or heartbreak or whatever is going on in the world. So that from that very genuine place of this being a problem, we can seek out a solution. We can seek out people who are helping and we can join in and become a part of that and use that anger or that pain as a catalyst to get involved. You're passionate about so many different causes. And I'm curious how you balance being passionate about all of them because there's so many things to be like causes that we could contribute to or be like um moved by but most people have like one or two they're super passionate about like my mom is like all about like saving animals and helping children like like sick children um but you're like all over the spectrum (laughs) the that's such a good question. And because I, I, I do touch all of these areas of impact in the world and good, good, good does as well. We really want to be a place where uh, ultimately we celebrate good news and we become good news. And, and it, it doesn't matter to me uh, where that falls for you, like what that specific thing is. Uh, what matters for me is that action. Um, But because of that, I have to pay a lot of attention to a lot of things. I've got a few things that are my favorites. Um, I love the fight for clean water because I so believe that uh, we, if we put our energy into this, we can make sure every single person has access to clean water. I love the fight against HIV and AIDS because there is a solution. There is what is effectively a cure that allows people to live full, healthy, natural lives where they don't die from HIV and AIDS, but instead just die of old age like the rest of us. We just have to make this more accessible and available to people. Um, and, uh, and I love the fight against uh, inequality um, and uh, injustice in the United States uh, because I think that uh, we all have a part to play in that. Um, but with that said, there's so many more things and I would say though, so those are like my core things, just like, you know, some people are care about animals. Some people care about foster care. Some people care about whatever it is. Um, my core thing that I care about is helping people. Oh, speaking of Pop-Tart, my <gasps> dog is scratching at the door. Let's see. Poppy. I want to see. Come here, Pop-Tart. <gasps> I want a lap dog. Yeah, I'll interview both of you. Podcast uh, Pop Tarts next. Yes, Pop Tart, you are you're gonna be podcast famous. Okay, lay down. Don't touch any buttons. Let's see if I can just. <laughs> uh, sorry, I can pick up where I where I left off. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> so a, a lot of people. So we all have these things that we're passionate about, whether it's animals or whether it's foster care or whatever else. But my core thing is. Uh, 
it's it's the idea of of helping people reject apathy and cynicism like that's that's my central cause uh and purpose behind what i do i want people to be more civically engaged i want people to volunteer i want people to donate i want people to feel like they can uh be advocates i want people to visit their members of congress whatever it is that helps move uh, a mission forward. I just don't want people to sit on the sidelines. And so, because I sat on the sidelines for far too long. And when you sit on the sidelines, uh, you feel powerless and you begin to feel more overwhelmed by the injustices in the world. But when you get involved, you realize you genuinely can make a difference and it actually truly moves the needle. And so that's my central thing. And, and so that's what I'm looking for within all the work that I do. But if you already have your mission, if you already have your cause, if you already have your thing that you're passionate about, if you already have your thing that you're passionate about, then lean into that, dive into that, take step after step after step to go further into that because uh, that that's where the magic happens. And so I encourage people to dive into that no matter what it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yay. I was writing that one. So you, well, for the future, I'm like, okay, now I want to ask everyone, three is a good number of like things they're passionate about. I think most people could have three. So I, I'm curious. I think most people almost should have three. Like I think. More I than think, three would be like. Well, well I, I think that less than three would be bad. I think oh, that. Oh, interesting. I think that if you have too few things that you put your, your, your energy into. I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe this is, this is unhealthy, but I'm like, I, I feel like you're in a place where you're, 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 you're priming yourself for disappointment. Um, or if, if you are in a place where you lose some energy behind one of the, like behind the one thing that you're passionate about, then you don't have anywhere else to pour your energy into. And so I love that I can kind of flow back and forth between more energy and different seasons between things. Is Sammy passionate about the same few things that you are or is she passionate about separate causes? I would say we have some overlap, um, but I, I don't think they're the same and I don't think that they need to be the same. No, I don't agree. I, I mean, wait, I don't agree. I do agree. <laughs> <laughs> but from, from like our shared budget, we donate uh, every month to Charity Water and we love to support the work that they do together. But then I also donate to some organizations on my own uh, and she donates to some organizations on her own. And so, uh, but like Charity Water is a great example of something where we're like both equally passionate about this. And then sometimes there's just month to month where like, oh, we see that need. We both care about this. This is in line with our values. Let's support this. And it's maybe not like a long-term thing, but it's, hey, we can make this difference uh, right now. So do you think that donating financially is one of the best ways people can help? And if they can't afford to financially donate, what do you think is like the next best action? Yeah, great question. So on every page of the good newspaper, we have something called the good bar. And it's just this wonderful little thing at the bottom of, of every story that says, hey, here's how you can get involved in the story you just read. Because we never want people to just read a story and then just be like, Yay, glad people are doing things. Like, if you care about that, if you connect with that story, maybe there's something you can do. And maybe it's easier than you think. And so we have it written in a good, better, best format. Here's a good way to get involved. Here's maybe a better way to get involved. And here's the best way to get involved. Or 
you know, it, it's maybe not even that it's the best. It's just, here's something that takes a little bit more energy. And so the good, we usually say, so if we talk about, um, if you care deeply about uh, refugees and if you want to support um, people who are fleeing war and conflict um, in their home countries or their hometowns and are seeking a better life somewhere safer, um, a good thing you can do is you can actually just go and you can learn about refugees. You can go on YouTube and learn a little bit more and maybe you can even pass some of that information along by tweeting about it or putting something in your Instagram story because that genuinely makes a huge difference. Uh, so that's, that's what I usually say in, is kind of in the good area. Uh, better is, is often a financial donation because organizations, uh, you know, even though sometimes they're, they're going to get a little bit of bad uh, press, like for the most part, they're ultra efficient. They're, they're doing a really good job with, with the money that they have. Um, and it's, it's, worthwhile to support what they're doing um kind of along those lines i don't know if you know this but um you uh when you donate money to a food bank it goes a lot further than donating food to a food bank because food banks have access to severely heavily discounted uh food it's way cheaper than like the canned food you can buy at the grocery store that's so if, good to know so if you're ever asked to do like a, a canned food drive what you should do is you should donate food that you already have in your house that you've already purchased. But if you go out and buy food, if you're going to go out and spend 20 bucks on new canned food, that 20 bucks can actually probably buy about five times as much uh, if they use their discount. And so that's why I think financial donations are fantastic. Um, and that's what I put in that better section. So I'd be like, oh, if you want to support refugees, here's some organizations who are doing really good work to um, either, you know, give refugees housing or help them safely navigate their journey or to provide uh, mothers uh, the things that they need uh, to take care of their children uh, or themselves, whatever it is. Um, but there's other things kind of in that. Well, I guess, so there's, I'll just back up and say, that's generally what I, what we recommend for better is, uh, is donating financially and it doesn't have to be a lot because every little amount makes a difference and it adds up and i always this is maybe me getting a little woo woo but i'm like you know if i donate 5 bucks to this i believe that other people will also rise up and also donate 5 bucks and it will multiply but if i sit on the sidelines and say my 5 bucks isn't enough then maybe everybody else who was thinking about it is also going to sit on the sidelines and so I just have to trust that when I step up and do my part, that's going to multiply. But again, maybe that's woo-woo. In the best section, I think one of the most impactful things you can do is use your time, your energy, your talents, your abilities, your skills, and your passion to move the needle. So in the world of refugees, I would say, you know, I don't expect people to show up in Greece or North Africa uh, and, and you know, buy all this, buy this giant plane ticket to like go out and volunteer. But in every single community across the United States, there are refugees being resettled and starting a new life. And maybe they need help learning how to use public transit, or maybe they need a ride to the doctor, or they need a little bit of uh, comfort or help, or they just want to share a meal with somebody. There are amazing uh, organizations that will help you find those things. Um, 
you can also uh, give your local elected official a call. You can hop on the phone and say, hey, this is something I really care about. Um, and I live in your community and I hope that you vote in support of this, uh, of, of this issue. Uh, that's something I do a lot when I don't have money um, or a lot of time because it's so efficient and it actually matters because a very small number of people I actually call their elected representatives. It's, um, it's not a lot of uh, people who do it. And so your voice uh, has a disproportionate impact. Do you uh, think it does though? Because I did that a bunch like in for previous elections and yeah. different uh, choices but you never actually reach the person. It's always like, let me take down your name and your address and like, I'll pass this along. But I don't yeah. actually know if it's being passed along or if they even care. So that's such a good question. And that's something that I always ask too. And I'm actually, it actually makes me very hopeful when I get an inside look at elected representatives and their offices and everything. Cause I've met with my senators. I've met with, I met with, um, former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. I've been to uh, the Vice President's office. Like I've been doing this hardcore over the last few years because I like believe it makes a difference. invited to do it all this or like knocking on the door, getting in there? Set, scheduling a meeting, just going on the website or calling up and saying, hey, when can I get in? Two months from now, let's do it. Um, and and so, and, and I wouldn't do it if I, if I didn't believe that it worked. And I've been having a lot of conversations with people who work in these offices. And here's essentially how it goes down. And of course- I think it's okay to be a little bit cynical about it. And of course, this isn't what happens in every office every time. But I have done this with people on both sides of the political party, and I've seen it make a difference. Um, what happens when you call your elected official is they have staffers and interns whose job it is to answer the phone. Sometimes if you call your congressman, congressperson, um, they uh, have fewer constituents than most senators do. So they are... Sometimes you will get them on the phone, but when you call your senator, generally you're going to get um, you're going to get to an intern. And what they do is uh, their job is to write down your zip code, like where you're from, mm -hmm. um, your name, and what you called about. And there's they're effectively keeping tallies, and they have meetings either daily or weekly where they part of the itinerary is saying is talking through every single thing that they got calls about. Um, and so it especially works well when there's a, a, a specific bill coming up because they're in a meeting talking about the bill and they're going to be able to say straight up, Hey, we got 10 calls about this this week and we've never gotten calls about this before. Maybe our constituents care about this. We got 10 calls on this side. We got 20 calls on this side. We got a hundred calls on this side, 200 on that side, whatever it is. Um, but what really moves the needle is when you tell a story. So I have done this both on the phone or in person. And I was, uh, I was meeting and I was saying, I really want the U.S. to continue its support for foreign assistance, financially giving money, especially towards the fight against HIV and AIDS and a few other organizations or a few other uh, important problems that need solutions um, outside of the United States. Um, and What's interesting is that uh, you ask most people, how much do you think that the U.S. spends on uh, foreign assistance? And people are like, if you pull people, they're like, hey, upwards of like 30 or 40%. Uh, and uh, you ask people, what should it be? What, like, what should that percent actually be? And people are like, maybe closer to like 10 or 15. 
The reality is the amount that the United States spends on foreign assistance is less than 1% of the total U.S. budget. And that budget is shared with all U.S. embassies as well to run their operations. So it's a very small amount of money. And I'm just there to say, I want this money to not get cut. If it stays the same, great. If we can increase it by a little bit, great. But I've seen the impact it makes. And what I'll do is I'll show up and I'll, I'll show photos. I'll say, this is my friend, Anne. She lives in Uganda. And when I visited Uganda as a part of this experience, let me tell you about her and her family. And let me tell you about this impact that the U.S.'s work has had there on this thing. And leaving with the story, sometimes people are like, can you like send me this over email? Uh, and what's great is that the hopeful part of me and, and what I believe to be true is that when they have that weekly staff meeting, they say, Hey, you know, we got 10 phone calls and three in-person visits in support of this bill. Uh, but also we, we got this story let me tell you about it. And you can basically build an advocate because the people who work in these offices are genuine human beings who go to work every day and they, they started working politics without a lot of pay. If they're, you know, an intern because they actually care about doing something. And if you're passionate even if they've lost that spark, they're going to be drawn to that, that same spark in you. And that's going to be what carries them through because that's why they joined. Uh, and so this is a tangent. This is, no, you can tell that I'm passionate about this, but because it's, I, feel, I genuinely like, believe in it. My brain's like, okay, they're an intern. Like they're there to answer a phone. They probably want like a better job one day. And this yeah. is what they got stuck with. But your perspective is way more optimistic yeah and probably right like well i just got back from this uh meeting with um this uh organization that does amazing work for wildlife conservation and i was talking with these people who are at the forefront of this impact uh and i was asking them about kind of the politics of things and they say you know every year we apply for this grant uh for four million dollars from the u.s government and uh, $4 million is like nothing in the grand scheme of the government. Like when I was talking about that less than a 1% of the total U.S. budget, that's billions of dollars and 4 million is nothing. And they said last year, they almost cut that budget from 4 million down to 1 million. Uh, the thing is, there's, I, I would dare to say that there's not a single elected representative in the United States who specifically went in and they said, you know what, this impactful thing that's saving animals who are wrapped in plastic in the, in the oceans, this $4 million, we don't need it. $1 million is all we need. It's just that they don't know about it. They don't know a single thing about it. And so then they're cutting it because they're, they're not thinking about it because they've got a million things on their plate. And so one person making that phone call to say, hey, can I tell you about what that $4 million does? That representative is going to say, oh, of course I'll vote in support of maintaining that four million dollars because in the grand scheme of the budget that's nothing like it's it's not a hard choice to make it's just that there's so many things on people's plates that the people who are passionate do have to be the educators the advocates do you feel that the people making all the decisions still are passionate or is there more like are they do you find that they're more cynical to kind of just vote the way they've always voted or voted like vote in the best way for them financially, maybe. Yeah, this is where cynicism actually makes me a little bit more hopeful because oh, I actually, I, I don't believe that every elected representative is in it for the right reasons. I think that there is a power game and I think that there's a lot of 
um, laws that incentivize people uh, to not be in it for the right reasons because you can financially benefit from it or you can maintain power longer. Um, and those are things that, that we can change through voting and through advocacy over time. But the great thing is if you're in power because you want to stay in power and you want to maintain that power, um, then you're going to listen to what your constituents have to say if you believe it will actually shift votes. Um, and so I've had a number of times, especially when I was in Tennessee, where I, I would rally enough people around that my elected representatives uh, would, would hear like, oh, this is actually something that like I need to vote on that I wouldn't even have thought about that much. Um, otherwise, I could potentially lose my seat. Like I could actually uh, get voted out because it seems like the tides have changed and people actually care about this thing more than I thought. And so that's what makes me hopeful is that um, that matters. I also think that press and PR matters. You know, if, if, if I think it would go very poorly in a lot of communities uh, if somebody said, hey, this person voted um, to, to cut funds to like rescue um, dolphins from plastic. Like it, it, it looks bad. Like, so there's, there's all these like cynical reasons why you can be like, they're interested in this. But I'll also say like, these elected officials, they do have so much on their plate. They can't pay attention to every issue. And that's why they do have a, a decent sized staff whose job is to pick up things. And so if they're running their operation well, if they're good leaders, uh, they're actually listening to the people that they've hired and trust. And so those people who have been hired may be less cynical. And that's the great thing is, for the most part, you know, we think about the president so much. We think about the presidency. Um, but, you know, there are hundreds of members of Congress and all of them are, you know, just voting for what they think is going to move the needle the most for them. And so we, we, we can reach those smaller people and we have so much strength and power in numbers. I am, I call myself an optimistic pessimist because right. I'm like... I don't know. I think I'm equal. I'm more optimistic for other people, but I'm less, I'm more pessimistic in my thoughts and the way I think of my thoughts. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so on can, this, can, sorry, go ahead. Can I, so there's this yes, quote please. that I love and I just pulled it up to make sure that I was reading it right. We, we printed it in one of our issues of our good newspaper as a big poster because we believe in it so much. And this is kind of the crux of like what I believe in when it comes to like optimism and hopefulness. And it's this, and, and Eric Lewis is a great person who um, he also cares about rejecting apathy and cynicism and, and helping people get more civically engaged. And he's written a book on the subject. And uh, he, he has to say this, he says, to be optimistic is to assume that things will work out, but to be hopeful is to realize that things can work out if you work at them. Hope requires response. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Hope requires, I got almost choked up. Hope requires responsibility and agency while optimism relieves us of both. In rooting for your favorite sports team, choose optimism. In rooting for democracy, choose hope. And so when I talk about this idea of hope, uh, I, I lean into this idea that like, things will work out if we work at them. But I don't for a second believe that if I stand on the sidelines, I have a single reason to remain optimistic. Um, I, I fully believe that like 
we get that opportunity to step in. And so I want to affirm your idea of being like, uh, of, of, of holding these dual ideas of optimism and pessimism, because I'm cynical AF when it comes to uh, if we're going to like, if we can make a difference in the world. Like if I'm sitting on the sidelines on something, if I'm letting like something that makes me angry or sad happen and I don't do something about it, I have every right to be cynical because if I'm not doing something, why would anybody else? Uh, but what makes me feel most hopeful is stepping in and, and actually taking action and doing something. See, and my brain, it's really like, like most people's, it's really mean to me. And so I'm really passionate about like not using plastic and using reusable bottles, reusable straws. And, but I, if I, there's a lot of foods that we eat that you can't not have wrapped in plastic at this time. Yeah. And I'm really hard on myself that we use that cup or we bought that package of fake sausages or whatever. And my husband's yeah. like, you're doing more than most people are doing. Like you can't like beat yourself up. Yeah. Like, you watch me. I will beat myself up. <laughs> can, can I read you another quote? Yes, please. So we just posted this on our, um, we just posted this on our good, on good, good, goods, Instagram. Okay. Uh, and it's so beautiful. It's from a writer, um, whose username is Carla Jane on Instagram. Um, and it's a little bit long, but it says this to the person who uses metal straws to save fish, but consumes animals. I'd like to say thank you to the vegan who isn't aware of our homelessness problem. Thank you. To climate change activists who aren't attentive to fast fashion, thank you. To the girl who gives her old clothes to the disadvantaged but isn't educated on sex trafficking, thank you. To the guy who picks up rubbish on his way home from surf but doesn't but isn't well informed about male suicide rates, thank you. To the people who stand up for horse racing concerns but are uninformed of the cruelty of the dairy industry, thank you. To the positive Instagram influencer who hasn't cultivated a plastic-free lifestyle, thank you. To the grandparents who knit for sick children but aren't up to date with current race and homophobic issues, thank you. To the students that stand up for bullying but are unaware of the constant domestic violence epidemic, thank you. To the peace activists, feminists, stray dog adopters, teachers, volunteers, foster carers, recyclers, givers, doers, and believers, I say thank you. We are all on a different path, and we all see through different eyes. Current world issues that are passionate, current world issues that you are passionate about aren't always what other people are trying to change, and that's okay. It's not everyone's job to save every part of the world, but it is everyone's responsibility to thank every person who's doing their part to save the world. Don't critique, just appreciate. Don't judge, just educate. We're all trying our best. Thank you. That's so good. Where is I, that? <laughs> I'm, like try, I'm like starting to cry. It's, I know. Oh my gosh. I'm watching. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's so good though. Like one of my first episodes I ever recorded was called from, oh, what was it called? Man. But basically it was like from passion to anxiety because you can get wrapped up in like what you're doing, but you can also get wrapped up in like all the things you're not doing. And then what you're doing doesn't feel like enough, mm. even though enough does not exist. Like, yes. so. And it comes really back to that idea that we were talking about earlier that we're, 
we're all constantly growing and we've all got more opportunities to be curious about more things. Uh, and those will like evolve and change over time. And, uh, I just hope that we never stay content or that we never stay in the same place for too long. We're always willing to learn that new thing. So I'm just going to ask you one more question because we've been talking for a little while and I'm sure you're busy, but what kind of advice do you have? I think a lot. So there's people, not that that I'm necessarily going Anyway, okay. Let me rephrase this another way. There's people who are passionate about things and there's people who life is busy and it's hard and sometimes your day is just filled with trying to survive and or a number of other things of adulting. So what advice do you have for the people who they're mostly negative or they're not? My family doesn't, so my whole, for years, I've been trying to like save straws and like not, like when people bring you like 15 packets of ketchup, they're just going to throw them away and I don't want them to waste them. So I'm like, we only need three ketchups and they would criticize me since forever. This is just, Mm -hmm. and it's been something I've always been really passionate about. So what advice do you have to even wake up the brains who just don't care? Like they care in like just a way of complaining. Which I'm not yeah. saying my family only does that. I'm just <laughs> giving that as an example about the environment. Great question. And that's, that's what I'm constantly trying to figure out. I would say that some of it has to be a personal choice. Like, I don't think that we get to wake up other people. I think that they get to wake up to what they need to do. Um, the formula that we found to work is to celebrate people who are doing good in the world and allow that to be an inspiration for others. And then once they're inspired to make it, to create small tangible action steps on how to get involved. Um, and, and, you know, that always starts with the good, better, best. So it's, it can be like, here's a small change you can make and here's why it matters. And then you start getting on a roll with that. And then you're willing to take that next step and the next step. And so that's the ramp but as far as getting people onto that ramp that's such a valid real question and i think that i i know that i experienced that uh with people that i love and i think that so many others do as well i would say and maybe it comes back to this you know that quote that i just read uh that beautiful story maybe it just comes down to celebrating what your family is doing already. And, and, you know, the truth is that it makes, I mean, it really does make a difference that you are getting rid of those, uh, you know, of ketchup packets and and reducing them. Um, But also, you know, a really effective thing for doing that might also just be literally calling Heinz for five minutes every day and saying, Hey, what are you guys doing to make this a more, um, a less wasteful system. And actually the, the reality is they're working on that. We, we reported on that a few months oh, ago. Great. Yeah. There's a lot of big companies uh, in like the condiment industry who are realizing that the tides are going to change and they're all going to go out of business if they, if uh, they don't get ahead of things or uh, you know, laws are going to change. They're going to make them have to do stuff. And so they're like, we're going to get out ahead of this and we're going to create some sort of more sustainable packaging that's less wasteful. But anyway, uh, with that said, uh, you, instead of getting mad at your family, can 
or you can be a little bit mad at your family. But instead of just being <laughs> mad at your family, you can say, what can I do so that it, even for people who aren't caring about this, we can reduce this waste a step above. Um, but then also, what does it look like to look at the things that your family does do that are thoughtful and filled with compassion? Because I, I fully believe that everybody has that thing. And I bet that it would mean a lot to feel appreciated and known for that. Uh, because, you know, they, they maybe even see things in you and my family maybe even sees things in me where they're like, Brandon cares so much about X, Y, and Z, but why doesn't he care about this thing? This yeah. thing that I care about. Mm -hmm. And so I want to, you know, acknowledge that I'm not as woke as I feel like I am. Like I still have so much growing and learning to do. And so if I can offer the benefit of the doubt to others and encourage them in what they're doing, then maybe that encouragement will go a long way to them listening and feeling like, hey, when I make a difference, it, 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 it makes a difference for me. It makes me feel more known and loved and seen and encouraged. And I want to do this more. And so maybe I'll, I'll not get a straw next time. Maybe I'll do three ketchup packets instead of 10, you know, whatever the, the difference is. Uh, and I, I feel very hopeful that, um, that, that that is what can lead us towards making the world a better place. And that's why that quote is so good, because if you're all only focusing on ketchup packets and straws, then all the other causes would be left behind. So that's what's so interesting about all of us. So I know I said that was the last question. I have one more. What, do, what advice do you have for someone? It's hard to feel like if you have like, not to wrap up that everything's revolved around social media and the internet, but if you have a small following, like, and you have big ideas of change, what advice can you give someone to not feel discouraged? Like just to keep going, even if they're not receiving like response or comments or yes. reactions. That's such a good question. Um, and that's, I've always been, I've been trying to, as much as my life is about publicly doing good, I always want my closest friends, the people who know me the best, to see me doing the most good, if that makes sense. I want it to never be public because I never want it to be about doing things publicly. Um, and so know that the impact you're making makes a difference. And every single thing, all of the biggest differences I've made in my life, all of the biggest changes I've made in my life have not been because a famous influencer showed me what they're doing or because I read a, a, a blog post uh, or because I got yelled at. Uh, it's always been because somebody in my life led by example and I saw it and I admired it and I said, I can do that too. If they can do that, I can do that too. And so the people who you're closest to, you have the most influence on them. And so don't take that lightly. You get to lead by example. Um, and you don't even, you can let your words speak more, or sorry, you can let your actions speak more than your words. You don't have to preach it. Uh, you can just live it out uh, and, and others will follow. And that's the coolest part is that, the people who are around you, even if you don't talk to them all the time, like when they get little glimpses, they're like, oh, that's this person. He's passionate about X. Like now when I go to certain yes. coffee shops, they know like, do not give me any like trash. <laughs> yes. Like, 
and that's it's I don't know I like being known for bringing my own things places (laughs) (laughs) yes well how can people find you on the internet or uh, see what you're up to uh we are everywhere at good 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 co on the internet uh where we celebrate good news all day every day and of course you can find uh our podcast sounds good with brandon harvey and our newspaper the good newspaper uh through those channels uh and then i'm brandon harvey everywhere on the internet as well and i'm uh the tricky part is Brandon is spelled with an E-N um, and I've only ever met two other Brandons spelled with an E-N. Uh, so why did you get rare. an E-N? Uh, just for fun. I think my parents thought it would be unique and they were right. It was. <laughs> well, yeah, I super, super, super enjoyed talking to you. Me too. This was so fun. I, I really appreciate all these wonderful questions and getting to dive into all these things that I'm so passionate about and uh, your passion and uh, your, your, personality is contagious so thank you for spreading it and sharing it and you definitely helped my confidence by continuously saying that's a good question yes (laughs) thank you i loved it such a good conversation thank you so much for listening i really appreciate it if you liked the episode please subscribe or even better leave a review it makes itunes really happy and hopefully makes them share this podcast with other people which would make me really happy if you have any ideas for topics to cover or for people you'd like me to interview please email me my email address is in the show notes and thank you again have a great day